0: It's like backstage, but there's no stage. It's the Standby Standby
1: for Places Green Room. Welcome to In the Green Room.
2: Oh, say, can you
1: see me hanging in the tree? Such a compromised position. My back illustrates.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of In the Green Room, presented by Standby for Places. Today, I am your host, Frida Matea, and joining me are Nigel D. Robinson and Asa James. Hey, guys, thank you so much for joining me. How are you today?
1: Doing good. How are you?
2: Doing great. Um, So as everybody knows or should know, February is Black History Month, and Nigel, you have created the concept album, When the Sun Goes Down. Tell us a bit about what inspired you for this album and your process of writing these songs.
1: So my inspiration for writing this thing, I got a phone call from Frida, and Frida was like, hey, do you have anything that would uh, work for Black History Month? And I was like, no, I don't, but I can make something. And then we started talking, and we were talking more, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to make a concept album. But I had no idea what said concept album was going to be about. So when we got off the phone, I was like looking through my notes on my iPad and I ran across this like rap that I wrote that was originally going to that I was writing for Mexidus the other show that I'm uh, that me and my writing partner, Brian Quijada, are working on right now. And um, but that that song never it never saw the light of day. It just wasn't needed. It was too much exposition. But I looked at it and I was like, wait, there's something interesting about the like the work song that I based it off of. So I went back and I kept listening to that song. And I was like, when the sun goes down, I know what that means to a slave. But wait, what does the sun going down mean to me or any contemporary, like any any black person in, in today's world? And that's what the idea, like it just flowed. And I was like, this is the right thing to do because I wrote like two songs that day. And I talked to Frida later. Well, I talked to you later on that day, Frida. And I was like, I haven't moved. From this spot, I haven't eaten, I haven't bathed, <laughs> haven't done anything.
2: I know, I was worried about
1: you. <laughs> I had done nothing except right that whole day, and I just couldn't get away from it because it was just, it felt like the right thing to do. So, thank you, Frida, for calling and asking that, and then like putting that, it wasn't pressure that you put on me, it was just like, it, it felt like it gave me like accountability. Like, she asked me to do this thing, and I need to have it done by a certain time, and that put like a fire up under me and honestly i'm
2: i'm so amazed at this was in november that i called you yeah and that i mean that's three months three months and some change that you've been working on this yeah and it is truly a work of art quite literally and figuratively it's amazing
1: i thank you i thank you
2: what what does when the sun goes down mean what in, in terms of slavery, in terms of, of uh, black people in America today or black people in general today, what does it mean?
1: So the sun going down to a slave meant that the work day was over and it's time to go rest. But to some, to, to somebody today, it's not necessary. it's not literal, not when I mean, the literal sun will go down, but the metaphorical sun going down, like when Am I going to not have to worry about the state of the world? When am I not going to have to be nervous about being this color? When am I not going to be looked at in different ways? When am I not going to be discriminated against? When is not when is there when is the systemic problem going to be gone? When is all of that going to happen? Like when when is that sun going to go down and we're going to be able to just sit and relax and rest? And I mean, now life, you know, life is filled with with turmoil and, and, and for anyone, it doesn't matter what the color of your skin is, we're, we're all guaranteed trouble in this world. But when am I going to just be able to have regular trouble instead of like this added trouble because I'm dark, you know? So the sun going down is when when is this all going to be over and when is it going to look like and what is it going to feel like and when are we going to be able to just breathe and sit down
2: you two are both amazing actors who I have had the pleasure of working with uh, at different points Asa you are also a music producer and when I was talking to Nigel about creating this piece I immediately thought of you and I wanted to get you involved somehow so I asked Nigel if he'd be all right with me bringing you in as another ear and we've had a handful of meetings where you got really into the imagery almost straight away what what was it about this project that kind of really drew you in.
0: Well, to to quote Nigel, it was uh, the illustrious Frida who actually drew me in because she um, <laughs> basically asked me to be a part of something creative. And you know, we've we've always hit it off from the moment we met at Naked Angels. We've always been just really cool and just really really straight out with each other. So it wasn't the problem. And then to meet. You know i i'm i i always take the advantage to meet someone new especially in acting and music because you just have to build relationships and that's how that's how you grow and you know having heard about nigel from from frida i was very interested in meeting the cat and just talking to him and building with him because you know frida you don't strike me as anyone who has a frivolous relationship because you're pretty much bullshit free. Mm-hmm. So, um, I know that if you recommend someone that's coming from, from a great place and mm-hmm. you have a very good eye and a very good ear for talent. So it Thank was you. just, it was a no brainer to say, yeah, sure. And it wasn't even, I didn't have to think about it. You mentioned it and said, yeah, sure. I, I want to meet the guy I'll work with, him. because I knew it was going to be something, um, something good and then it was true the mo- uh, from our first phone call it just exploded into just a giant creative wave of energy mm-hmm. and it, it was like that with every other subsequent phone call so
2: yeah we would have our like we would have a meeting that was supposed to be an hour and it would turn into it's like two. three hours right <laughs> yeah. which was right. amazing and it was
0: just sharing ideas of uh the African-American, the black experience and how, um, how every black person on the planet is bilingual yeah, mm-hmm. and how we speak in codes and how it's been that way for 400 years and it will continue to be until the sun goes down or in modern terms, we have our one day because after right. we stop saying, you know, when the sun goes down, it became one day. So that's, that's what it is. And that's why I wanted to get involved because one, no one's ever asked me about that. And two, it felt great to talk about it.
2: And what is, what does it mean to, I mean, you know, we've, we've had the the conversation, but people listening might not know. What do you mean when you're talking about being bilingual as, as a black person in America?
0: Well, it means that we have to speak with, um, We can be ourselves around people we're comfortable with, but we're in the midst of people who are not too familiar with us. We can't be too loud. We can't be too, we can't laugh too loud. We can't, we can't get too angry. We have to, if we get angry at something that's an injustice or disrespect, we have to temper that because someone will call the police or it will automatically be, oh God, this black guy, he's upset. Oh my, oh, people are going to, start, he's going to be shooting and they're going to pull out axes and it's going to get crazy, you know? And so we have to sometimes swallow that anger because you see what happens in the news all the time when a, a black man or a brown man gets angry. We get shot, we get chased down, you know, we're, even when we're defending ourselves, like we can't even defend ourselves without it being flipped over as us being the aggressive. Like the the young brother who was jogging, I think he was in the south. I'm not sure. I think, I think he was in the south. He was just jogging down the street. He was looking. There was a house for sale. He was looking at the house, but he was jogging down the street. And a father and a son chased him down in a pickup truck. Got into a fight with him, like the father got out of the car and got into a physical fight with him because he accused him of robbing a house and then the son shot him with a shotgun. And they went to jail for this. They were finally convicted of it, but it's a thing that happened.
2: Nigel, how about you? What what other experiences in terms of either having to be bilingual or Asa, you also made another comment in a meeting that we had about uh how it sometimes feels like you are walking on a tightrope uh across New York City. And that's mm-hmm. that's something that has stuck with me because as a very translucent white woman, I, <laughs> you know, am <laughs> I am, as somebody who's seen her. Um oh <laughs> I am I am aware of of the fact that we are a treated very differently. We are perceived differently, but the tightrope analogy that, Asa, you came up with has still stuck with me because I never thought of it that way.
0: Um, it is, it is, it's a balancing act. Like, like, and that was, the, that was the point of the whole tightrope thing. It was a balancing act because as we walk the streets of New York City, we have to, one, we have to do our jobs, We have to do the thing we need to do. We have to provide for our families and go to work and show up on time and be the other thing. We, But we also... Have To to my earlier point, we have to walk that tightrope where we can't be too loud, we can't get too angry. We have to um, accept the, um, the uh, passive racism and just keep moving forward. And, and people will say things as a joke and things like that, and they don't realize, or maybe they do realize, or maybe they're just so deeply ensconced in it that they don't even understand what they're doing. And, you know, if we Draw attention to it, and suddenly we're the bad guys. It's like, hey, hey, that's not what I meant, man. Don't take it there, you know. <laughs> or um, if we don't, then people think we're okay with it, and they just keep doing it, you know. But it's it's always that moment of um, okay. We we're constantly we're like um, different. It's like it's like being water, right? You have to be steam. You have to be ice. Sometimes you have to be water and you have to take the shape of anything that water is in. If you're a glass, then you have to fill the glass. You know, if if you're in a hand and you have to fill the palm, but you still have to be flexible enough to take the shape of any situation that you get yourself into because you have to get yourself out of it because at the end of the day, you want to go home. So are you going to get super offended at someone's ignorance? Probably not. Some people do, but what I've learned is that if I hear the ignorance, I realize that exactly that's exactly what it is and i don't have to lean into the ignorance i can just go oh that guy's pretty stupid and keep moving forward Mm. but you know some people sometimes fall into it or are pushed into it or pushed into defending themselves because the ignorant is so ignorance is so blatant and so abusive that You have no choice but to fight and sometimes there are consequences for fighting even when you defend yourself but understand i am not an advocate for anything that's going to hurt anyone but i'm also not a pacifist Mm -hmm. okay so i will defend myself and i will defend my family and Um, I will also hire a very good lawyer, but I will not strike out to hurt or harm anyone just because of their ignorance. That's just, that doesn't make any sense to me. But if I have to defend myself and my family, I absolutely will without a shadow of a doubt. But I don't, I don't really have a, um, I've got a shield against stupidity. If I hear dumb shit, then I just kind of have, I just, you know, put the shield up and realize where it's coming from and take it from there. Mm-hmm. You know, but I'm not walking around angry like I used to. I used to be angry all the time, but eh, it doesn't really serve. You know, it, you, you get more with an open hand than you do with a closed fist. And that's mm-hmm. where,
1: where my head has been lately. Frida, you, you asked like how I feel about the, the code switching mm-hmm. that we have to do. And I will say that my awareness boosted a couple of months ago. Like I, I did a show in DC and it was a James Baldwin play and it was just the blackest, most beautiful thing I've ever done. And it kind of brought me back in. And I just remember Whitney white, who, if you don't know her name, for those who are listening, you will know her name in months. She is the shit and she <laughs> is one of the most incredible, directors not even not even to point out that she's a black woman director but she's just one of the most incredible directors that i've ever worked with nothing that is working in this business right now so if you're lucky enough to work with her then count it a blessing but i just remember one day in rehearsal i i was one of the new additions to the show they had it was a remount of the production because it got canceled in um 2020 and she was like "Nigel, i had like a little solo at the beginning and she was like nigel i want you to just kind of internalize it don't worry about." singing to the audience and like sharing it. Don't worry about that shit because white theater will tell you that, yes, you have to be out and you have to do all these things or whatever, but no, 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 no. Fuck that. We're going to put that, we're, we're flipping that over and you just take it into yourself and make them come to you. And my mind switched right then. I was like, Oh my God, I have been sunken so far into, I've, I've been in the, to, to not sound cliche, but I've literally been in a sunken place when it came to, where I, my place in this world and like trying to fit into this world and fit into these like very Eurocentric models of everything. And it took that little moment in rehearsal to real, and and, and it took that moment to realize like how entrenched we are in this Eurocentric model in theater. And then I applied it to everything. And I realized a lot of things about myself and things that I've been doing and like, God, I've been, like code switching is a is a thing that we're all very we're very good at because you're at a dinner party with white friends and you find yourself speaking more eloquently or like using bigger words or having a different sense of humor and 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 suppressing the parts of yourself but then when you're with your black friends yo my nigga this and blah 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 that and it's all you know it just it completely it turns into a completely different thing and I think a, a big part of understanding—I mean, we have to code switch. Like, it sadly we have to still do it, but the the awareness is is a new thing for me. And and I'm I'm really diving into just being aware of when I do it and why am I doing this. Like, I find myself like after talking to some people, like, why did you say that? Why did you do this this way? Because it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter how I speak. I know I'm intelligent. It doesn't matter if I use slang. Or I speak the Queen's English. I'm still an intelligent person, and you shouldn't. No one should judge me based off of of how I carry myself because I'm just a human being that just so had this is this is how I'm raised, and this is what I've known. But um, yeah, it's it's I, I've just become more and more self aware that we code switch so much, and I'm just trying to f- figure out a way. Well, I I don't want to have to do it, and I I don't want it to be like some like because it's second nature because we're. We are programmed to do this thing. Like the world tells you that, oh, you need to you you need to wear this here, or you need to wear that. And I, there's just been so many people in my life, and wonderful people that I, I love to this day, but like, are it's there's microaggressions everywhere. Like Nigel, you need to you should wear a suit and tie to this thing because blah blah. I don't get give, who gives a shit. I can wear whatever I want to wear. Like it doesn't matter, you know. So. I, I, this new sense of self awareness has me looking back over all of my life. Like, wow, I have really let people get into my head and 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 tell me that this white way of doing things is the right way of doing things, and that's not that's not true. And and now I want to kind of flip that over. Just be your, you know, be yourself. You don't have to put on for these other people. You need to be your authentic self because being playing two people. Is going to be exhausting. It's going to it's going to exhaust you.
2: Another thing that we were talking about right before we started uh, this interview that Asa brought up is the hey your your brilliant lyrics in general and and how they really hit the core. But we started talking about your national anthem. Let's let's talk about the national anthem because you sent me that one night. You were just like, I just wrote this. You you just sent me like a voice memo, and you were like, I just wrote this. I'm putting it out. It's going in to the concept album. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting and listening to it, and I started to cry. Ooh, okay. It is, Nigel.
1: Well, it's amazing. Thank you. <laughs> what I had it is um, amazing. I had the COVID. And hard. Thank y'all. I had, um, when I got, I got to Milwaukee back in, like, towards the, the end of December.
0: Wait, wait, Nigel,
1: Nigel, before you finish that, did you just say you had the COVID? Did you I put had, a duh on that? Oh, I did put the duh the there. Yo, yeah, oh, yeah. Have, no, he, you got have an article. Respect, brother. Respect. <laughs> but I had, I had the thing and, um, I was stuck inside, so I'm like, well, hell, I can only rehearse virtually and it's not that long out of the day, so I just had time to, like, think and, refine some things and write some other stuff. And I was just sitting here and something popped up in my head. Like what if you were walking down a road and you look up and see a body hanging in a tree and then all of a sudden their eyes popped open and they started talking to you, what would they say? And then I've been this, this concept album, I've been really experimenting with like using the things that already exist like using all this this wonderful music that came out of slavery that's public domain you know like using these things and like how can I remix that and like make it make it contemporary which goes along with like trying to compare between the sun going down for a slave and the sun going down for a person now like I felt like mixing those two things together would 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 mix together the old and the contemporary and I was just thinking about that. And I thought about the the national anthem. And I was like, oh, say, can you see me hanging in a tree? And then like, what would that, what would that corpse say? What would, because I mean, like, imagine it. You're, this is, you're about to die. And these are the things you are experiencing before you die. So what would that person, what would that person be saying? And then to pair it with the national anthem, that you know is so glorious and oh and the and the rockets did this and blah and and it was so magnificent and we made it in spite of it how do how about putting a lynched man or woman's perspective on what an, an anthem is or what the national anthem is in the United States and like to, to show like the hypocrisy of said national anthem and of so many things in this in this country and and you know but that's, that's where it came from. And I just sat there and it just it just happened and it came out and I was like, I need to, I don't really care if this makes someone upset. Because that's the point, you know, not not to piss everybody off, but to like have strong opinions. And, and And thank you, Frida, for giving me a space to like be able to like call you and be like, hey, I made this thing. How do you feel about it? Thank you for listening. And then also giving me a space to just like make it and put it out to the world because well, so th- one... and
2: thank you for jumping in honestly like i am always more than happy to give you a platform to get asa a platform you know i i want to be there providing places for people to share their art and and their feelings and emotions and all of that so thank you so much for you know being so game to be like you know what i don't have anything but i'm gonna write it and jumping right in
1: and yeah and it, it was just such a it's such a blessing but yeah, um, is juxtaposition is one of my favorite words and one of my favorite things to do. And like just to pair something horrific like a lynching and something as inspirational as the national anthem, and put those things together. And what do you get?
2: Well, I was I was just gonna say, Asa, you had a strong reaction to it as well. You you really loved his national I anthem. What, what were your feelings I on did. it? And I
0: did and because I thought I thought it was. It's the type of thing it's chaotic it was beautiful it was truthful but it was chaotic because Mm. i know that when black people hear it they're gonna understand what it says but i know that when some white people hear it they're going to be offended because Mm -hmm. they think he bastardized the song but the thing is is if anybody's read the full like oh, yeah. the, 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 we only sing the nice part of the national anthem, like anytime it's been sung before a game or anything like that, and we only sing the nice part of the national anthem. It's just like picking and choosing, like when when the the KKK picks and chooses things out of the Bible. You know, mm-hmm. it's just from their perspective that they want to use this thing. So you know, people get upset because Colin Kaepernick wouldn't stand for the national anthem, but those same people don't understand. That with the whole song set. Right. All right. So, this version of the national anthem cannot be ignored because I thought about it the same way Nigel thought about it when I heard it. Because when, when people will walk by that strange fruit hanging from a tree, what would they think? Especially black people. That's fearful. Right. Right. And they would gather for a day. They would gather a, for a day and get together to go to a lynching, to watch this thing happen. Right. Because this black person did something that was so horrible. He had to be hung from a tree and the whole white community had to come out and see it. And he was left there until somebody decided to cut him down or for forever, how long, how long that, that took. But that was the thing that happened. And just like the lynching and just like the national anthem when you combine them it cannot be ignored and it's chaotic and it's the kind of thing that when you hear it in a room full of people it's going to make them uncomfortable but it's the type of thing that you can't ignore and i love it i absolutely love it
1: i appreciate that it's you yeah you because it's not like it, it didn't happen Right. And you hit the nail on the head saying, we don't, you know, we don't talk about the entire, the entire national anthem. We only talk about that little part that people like to, to take out no, like, oh, no, we're going to use this. And we're going to pretend like he didn't write right. versus like damning black people or, you know, we're, we're not going to talk about that.
2: Right. Another one that, you know, I feel like has now come into more light uh, across all of America with all different races Um your eulogy on this album. Mm. Where did that, I don't want to say where did that come from? Because I think hopefully we all know kind of a a smidgen, a a minuscule amount of, Mm. you know, that, that pain. But was that, did you, did you go into this concept album going, this is what I want to do. Here are the songs I want to do. Or was that something that you just felt in the moment and you were like, I need to write this.
1: I just let things happen. I didn't, yeah, I didn't, I didn't have like a set list. Like I want to write about this, 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 and this. I was just like, I'm just going to see what happens. And there were, I was going through like my note sessions and like looking at like old stuff and there's a Kanye and, um, Nas song from Nas's album back in like 2018. I think it's self-titled album. Um, and it was called the Cop Shot the Kid. And I really liked that song a lot. And I wrote like a little verse, like like if I had found instrumental, like maybe I'll like record it it on SoundCloud. But I never did anything with it. So I had that. And then like a long time ago, the hymn, uh, What a Friend We Have in Jesus popped up in my head. And what a privilege to carry just kept ringing. I'm like privilege to carry a weapon without an ounce of discretion and then keep going. So like that song is an amalgam of a couple of things that have been written like over the past few years, but then it all met together and it all somewhat worked together to tell the story of a guy who's got to like bury his friend. And though I haven't, personally had to deal with losing someone that to police violence i can imagine and and i I, and you know we all feel it like when when george floyd you know the, the that being the biggest thing that's happened recently when that happened we all mourned and we all felt even though we didn't know this man from adam we all we all we all felt something. So like, it's, it's easy err to put yourself in that position. Like, damn, because when you, when you see that on the news, you think, shit, that could have been, that could have been Katie. That could have been blah, blah, blah. That could have been this friend, that friend, that could have been my brother. That could have been anybody. You immediately become an empath and you immediately go into like a state of mourning for that human being. And for the fact that it could have been anyone that looked like him. So like, that that's where it came from and then there's a the other underlying thing in the song that i hope well i don't know if people will totally get because it's super super personal and i don't talk about it like explicitly in the song but my like deconstruction of my christianity (laughs) that i'm like going through right now and like trying to figure out what is my what is my belief system what do i believe in Do I believe in these things because I was told to believe in them as a child or do I believe in them because I literally believe in, in, in those things. And like the, that my favorite word juxtaposition pairing a song called what a friend we have in Jesus. And then pairing that with, I just lost a friend and I'm trying to find comfort in this thing, in this hymn in Jesus. But every time. I get to a certain word. I'm triggered by something else. And I start talking about how fucked up this situation is with my friend being dead. And I feel like that is a thing that a lot of black people are. I love the black people of my generation specifically because we're like really starting to speak out against the church, like the institution of the church, not God, not Jesus, because I have no problem. They both my homeboys and well jesus is my homeboy and god is my home non-binary because god is not a he but um god is my homie sky daddy yeah or sky daddy
2: sky guide yes he's yeah. your sky Guide. Sky i That's
1: it but like we're all coming up and we're all starting to like think against this stuff and it's like this is This is stuff that was put on us by white people hundreds of years ago. And we're still latching onto it because they told us that, hey, man, your life is shitty right now. But eventually, if you do what we say every day, you're going to go to heaven and it's going to be great then. But like, nah, what about right now? Why am I in so much pain right now? And using that pain against What a friend we have in Jesus that that I hope people can feel that. And I hope people can relate to that because we, as, as black folk, we cling, we cling to these hymns, we cling to these verses because life is so shit right now. And if we just hold on, if we just hold on, we'll have our reward. Actually, no, why not have my reward now and later? Why got to wait so long? So, like, that song is, like, maybe my favorite thing because it, for me personally, it just tackles the mourning of a friend, the mourning of a black body, being unjustly killed, and trying to reconcile with your faith and trying to press through with this, even though it's all, this is such bullshit. So, that's that's what that's how i feel about the eulogy that's how i hope it will make people feel
2: isa how about you do you have one song i mean they're all amazing but do you have one song that really spoke to you or that you love out of all of no. them more
0: i don't have one because <laughs> i listened to them all and each one was so different but each one was so poignant i think the thing that hit me though was the stopping of the eulogy because it was so it didn't feel like it was something that was rehearsed or it didn't even feel like something that was written. Like I had listened to all the songs and when I heard the eulogy come up, um, he was talking and I was like, oh wow, check it out, he's talking. And then he started going into the eulogy and then he began to to begin the song but stopped. And I was thinking, I was immediately taken to a funeral. I was just sitting Mm. in church and watching this happened. And I saw everything around me. I saw all of the imagery, you know, like, like you said earlier, I just, I'm image driven. So I saw everything. And I saw him sitting there trying to, or standing at the pulpit, really trying to get these words out and then suddenly just saying it. And I was just, I was blown away because I thought, wouldn't this be something to see at a funeral? Because it spoke the truth of what it was like, can you, uh, it, imagine, and I can't, and I've got a 12-year-old son, but can you imagine the pain that Trayvon Martin's family must have felt during his funeral? You know, and, and I sat there and listened to the words, and the kid was outside at night getting Skittles, or Starburst, or whatever. My son loves Skittles, and I can't imagine someone coming up on him in the street thinking he's a threat and shooting him because he was defending himself. Mm. I can't imagine that. And I can't imagine not wanting that person's head on a spike. And I'm telling you right now, I don't have that level of forgiveness in me. I don't have that level of forgiveness in me to make people to say, you know what, y'all? We're gonna let God handle this and we're just gonna pray. No, that's not how I get down. Right. So when I heard his lyrics, I understood the pain and it was I thought it was I thought it was beautiful, much like the um his his star strangled banner, because <laughs> it was truth. And that's what it was. It was truth and it was painful and it's it's uncomfortable and that's what made it beautiful.
1: Thank you. There you I I learned something from uh, we, um, well, Brian, my writing partner, and I, like from Exodus, we work through New York Stage and Film or working through New York Stage and Film. And, um, the producing uh, artistic director, um, Liz Carlson, like, we would, we would all, we would have a meeting like once a month and we would, like, sit and show her a song and she'd be like, well, what about this and this and this? And she's just so fucking brilliant. She's so brilliant. And one of the things that I learned through the process of writing that show was, agency people you just can't write something and someone's just like some just device like you can't write a, a female identifying character and she's just a victim of of a rape you just can't do that and without giving her some kind of agency without saying this is who this woman is this is who this woman is in spite of what happened to her and we're not just gonna sit here and be like she's just a victim. No, 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 no. We need to expand on who that person is. And this thing happened to her, but it's so important to give people agency. And that's one thing that kind of carried over with that eulogy song is like, who was this little kid? What did he do? Because it's not enough to say Trayvon Morton got shot. What did he want to do? What did he want to be when he grew up? What did he like to do? Who were his friends? Where did he hang out at? Who was this human being? If we have to stop making, people out to just be devices we need to tell we need to tell like people's story like who is this human being so i just find it really important to be like go into detail about this person because that drives the point home even more this wasn't just some little black boy that got shot by the police this was a kid with promise and a kid with dreams this was a little poet he was an artist he was this 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 and that and this bad thing happened to him not just this is a boy that got killed
2: Absolutely. Also, I just want to do a shout out to Liz because uh, she was one of the first female stage managers I ever met.
1: Yes. It's so yep. brilliant. I feel like maybe oh, we had talked yeah. about that like two years ago, right? When we Probably. first started working with her, but I forgot.
2: She is such a powerhouse Yes, and such an inspiration. I love her. But what what's coming up next for when the sun goes down? Are you going to, I think you talked about releasing it as an album at one point. Yeah. Um,
1: I'm gonna release going it. On. I'm gonna release it on all the things. Um I'm gonna uh I mean the version that y'all are gonna hear on the podcast is like just kind of like a through giant file, just a through line, but I'm gonna like, you know, split the trash back up and put it out as a as a little concept album. And I've been sending it around to like friends to be like, hey, how do you feel about this? Tell me what you don't like about this. So I can refine and make it something else. So like this, I'm going to put out what's currently written now, but I don't know. Like I want it to, I'm not sure what it can be. I just knew it needed to be written and I'm glad that you asked me about it. And there's no telling what it can turn into, but I just, I, you know, I wanted to be an ever evolving little Little thing, I because I, I have to call it a thing because I don't I don't really know what it can be, but I just know like if I get it to the right people and get it in the right creative minds, it can turn into something that I would have never dreamed of it turning into. Maybe some kind of staged version of you know like because you know it's the concept album, I stole that. I mean that you know that's that's an old old rock and roll thing to make an album of things that kind of have a through story or whatever. And like they translate so well into musicals so well into, into stage pieces. So that's my hope is that maybe out of some of these friends that I'd send it to, like, I see something else for this. Let's talk about it. This is a good starting point. Like just to make like a good like baseline and then see where it can go from there.
2: I want to thank you both so much for joining me. Um, Nigel, thank you so much for writing this for Standby for Places and for yourself. And, and I'm so happy it's, you know, going to turn into more. Asa, thank you so much for coming in, being an ear, having these conversations with us. Um, I just want to ask, Nigel, where can people find you on social media? And Asa, I'll ask you after. But Nigel, where can people find you on social media? What are you up to next? What are you up to now?
1: Well, promote yourself. Oh, Lord. Well, my Instagram is at Nigel D uh, and my Facebook is uh, Nigel D Robinson and TikTok is like at Nigel D Robinson. Those are about the only three things that I really use socially. But right now I'm in Milwaukee. I'm doing a really, really cool show called Piano Men. And it's literally like a piano bar in New York City. It's me and uh, my good friend Steve Watts, who is a genius, and um, we just sit there and we get a big list of requests from the audience and we just knock them down for an hour and a half. We go back and forth and it's so fun and oddly not a lot of anxiety pre-show because you don't know what you have to prepare for. Therefore, what can you be worried about? So really, it's just a lot of fun. And I'm doing my way here after that. And then um, some residencies from Exodus. And, you know, just going to float around the world. I got a car. I'm going to drive around, do some stuff, make some art, travel some places. You know, I'm going to be a little gypsy for a little while. That's really what's going on. I think summer 2022 is going to be a gypsy summer.
2: (laughs) Asa, how about you? How can people find you and your work?
0: I am on Instagram at uh, asa.james1. Uh, also on Facebook is Asa James or in, in email at uh, AsaJames five five nine at gmail.com. From talking to you and Nigel and, and uh, Sean, uh, I have been just inspired to start writing again. I took a I just took a break to listen for a while, and uh, but for the past couple of days, I've just been inspired to really write. Today get these songs out. So I um, called up a producer buddy of mine. He's like, all right, listen, um, I want to finish this song. We started, I want to release it and let's just get some music out there. He's like, oh my God, finally, I can't wait. Yes, all jazz, you ready, he's coming back. So that's kind of what I want to do. I've just started composing again and writing and it just feels good. And you know me freak. I'm, I'm always doing acting, doing all that stuff and it's fun. So um, I'm not, not going to stop doing that, but it's time to exercise the other creative muscle that I have. And I just want to make more music. And, um, you know, in my studio, I have pictures of my inspirations. The French happens to be up on that wall. And I just said, you know what, I just need to get back into doing my music, you know, and my wife said the same thing. She goes, you need to get in there and you need to write your stuff like you're supposed to. And you need to let people know. And I said, yeah, you know, you're right. Okay, you're right. And I couldn't argue. She's always so just, right. She's always right. <laughs> Don't so
2: argue with her. I
0: do not. I've learned that. So <laughs> I just went in, took the cover off the keyboard and said, let me just start writing. Because, you know, I literally, you know, I can't shit on you if I'm not doing anything. Right. Right. I can't say shit to you. So I just said, you know, and I'm just going to go out and i'm gonna do my stuff i was put here to do quite a few things and one of these things that i do well is music so i'm just gonna do that
2: i cannot wait to hear what you both have in store Aww, and man. everybody when the sun goes down is available now on all podcast streaming platforms and hopefully will be out soon uh as an album as well so keep in touch with nigel and asa and standby for places we will announce all of those Thank you guys so much for joining me. I well, Frida,
0: Frida, before you finish, you as an yeah. aside, let me put yes, this out yes, to the universe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let you finish. Yes. But... <laughs> before, before, before you finish, hang on one second. Oh, uh, Nigel, we have to work on something.
1: Yes. Yeah, we do. I was thinking it while you were talking. Work. You guys have yep. to. Okay, cool. Yep. All right. Just put it on out there. Yep, we have to do something.
0: <laughs> That's it. It had to go out oh. in the universe. We just got to make know. it happen. Is
2: the world ready for that like powerhouse mashup?
0: doesn't matter it does fuck it, it I'm whatever
2: ready. i'm ready that's right
0: it doesn't matter if the world's ready we will make it happen <laughs> free to yes. the world will have no choice but to be ready once we decide it's happening
1: it's happening
2: i love this energy
1: i forgot to give some flowers out to someone um who also was on a talk with like the first talk that we had that just was like two and a half three hours of, of beauty my bro Trey Cotton. Um, yes,
2: Trey. Trey. I was
1: gonna say the yeah. same thing. You're amazing. Mm-hmm. That man is brilliant, and I'm I'm just so happy and grateful to both of y'all for like coming up there and lending your voices because I took so many notes from that thing and I applied them to like the songs that I've written and like it just elevated everything so much further than I could have done alone. So I just really appreciate that. I want to make sure I acknowledged him. And thank you all for that.
2: Thank you guys so much. You're both pleasure. amazing. And uh, yeah, this has, been, this has been great. And thank you both.
1: Thank you. Let's do it again sometime.
2: Thank you for being a patron of Standby for Places. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For more content, don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. All links are available at our website at Standbyforplaces.com.
1: I look up to the hills and I say, I say, I say, Asante. I look up to the hills, I look up to the hills and I say, I say, I say, Asante. I look up and say, Thank you, thank you. I look up and say, Thank you. Every day I say, Thank you, thank you. Every day I say, Thank you.